I'm so um, grateful to God for the opportunity to share with us tonight, this morning, uh, what the Lord has laid on my, my heart. I'm going to be speaking this morning about the power of united prayer. The power of united prayer. Um, I'll be reading from the book of Acts. And um, CG, you can come up, please. Thank you. Um, I'll be reading from the book of Acts this morning, teaching from the book of Acts this morning. And in morning prayer, we've been going through the book of Acts um, for several months now. So we first started, we first started, um, thank you, just wait there, okay. Um, we first started, I think back in the spring, we were going through the book of Acts um, as led by Lady Carmen. And then when we were done, she felt that the Lord wanted us to go through the book of Acts again. And it's been so enlightening and enriching to just see how the early church was birthed, really from a place of prayer, and see how God used a few men and women that were sold out for him to literally turn their world upside down. Um, my family and I went for vacation in early summer to New Hampshire. It was a family Christian camp retreat. And we usually have a speaker of the week, usually speak, you know, preach from the, from the word. And we were, I almost fall, fell out of my chair when she said she was going to be speaking from the book of Acts. And so it got my attention. I know Zainab and Siji were there as well. And I began to say, well, Lord, you are saying something to the church. The Bible says, he that has ears should listen when, um, to what the spirit of the Lord is saying. And so I have my wonderful helper this morning, CG, to read from Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 35. Good morning. Um, today I'm going to be reading from Acts 4, verse 1. Verses 1 to 35, um, versions NRSV, NKJV, and NIV versions. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them. Much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Anas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this in? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of an act of kindness done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man had been healed. 
Let it be known to all of you and all and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven giving among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do to them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it, but to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their own company and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices with one accord to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate 
with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of which was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had needed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you for the good for Woo! Wasn't that fantastic? CJ, how old are you? Nine. Isn't it amazing? God is good. We thank God. See, you're going places. You're going places. We thank God for the reading of his word. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And so if we want to see the results that they saw in the book of Acts, I think it will do us well to study how they got the results that they, that they got. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even as the song we sang this morning said, there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like the God Almighty. We exalt you, O God. Father, we are looking to you this morning. My prayer, O God, is that no corrupt words will come out of my mouth, but words that will build and edify every person here that it may impart grace to the hearers, O God. I commend my brothers and sisters to you, Father God, and to the word of your grace that is able to build us up as a church, as a corporate body, and give us an inheritance amongst those that are sanctified. Father, according to your word in Zechariah 12, my prayer, O God, is that you pour out upon us the spirit of grace and supplication so that we may look to you who was pierced in the name of Jesus. Let your grace, great grace, be upon each of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. So I'll start with a bit of a context from Acts chapter 3 before I go and just summarize what we just read in Acts chapter 4. So in Acts chapter 3, um, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. Can everybody hear me? Yes. They were going to the temple to pray. They encountered a man that had been lame from birth, right? He was seated at the gates called Beautiful and asking for money. And he asked Peter and John and they laid hands on him. They lifted him up with his right hand and he began to walk, jumping and leaping and praising God. The crowd rushed to see what had happened because they knew the man had been lame from birth. He was over 40 years old. And um, Peter saw an opportunity and began to minister the gospel that in the name of Jesus, there is healing available, there's salvation available. Many came to believe in Jesus Christ as a result. But as we move to chapter 4, things begin to take a turn for the worse, right? The rulers and the leaders were really upset because they talked about the resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, which they did not believe in. So they were really annoyed and disturbed by that. And so they asked Peter and John, by whose power and whose authority did you do this work? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered him simply and boldly. He said, one, it was done in the name of Jesus. Two, this is the person who was rejected, but God has exalted. And three, there is salvation through no other name but the name of Jesus. And so a couple of things stood out to me that I just want to quickly highlight. One, they were prepared. One, they were prepared. The Bible says these things are written for our examples that we may learn from them. These brother, this brother, um, Peter and John, were prepared to give an answer. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. They had done an act of kindness in the name of Jesus and were being questioned, in whose authority and whose name did you do this work? And so they answered boldly, to the rulers. The first thing is that we need to be prepared. Secondly, we need to speak up and not be silent. When the people heard the response of Peter and John, they thought, wow, these men are ordinary men. They are uneducated, untrained. But then they recognized there's something about them. These people remind me of that other guy that we tried to get rid of. They remind me of Jesus Christ, right? He, they were bold in their response. They could not deny that a miracle had been done. And yet, they still threatened them. And they said, we don't want you to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. That was their issue, that name. And that is the same thing that the devil does to us as a body, as a people, in this time, in this day. He creates environments that causes us to be silent, to retreat right? Maybe you spoke up one time at work and you got in trouble and so the next time you decide you want to be, you want to be quiet. Or if you do speak up, you can speak up in any other thing, you can speak up in the name of love, of harmony, but God forbid it be the name of Jesus. But my, my prayer today is that even as we are getting ready to do the works that we see described in the book of Acts, that we ourselves will be willing to boldly speak up and not be silent. In Acts chapter 18, when Jesus Christ appeared to Paul, he said to him, he said three things. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. We sang those songs this morning. I don't think it was a coincidence. We must not be silent. We must be willing to speak up in the name of Jesus. And then the third thing I noticed was that they prayed. 
Hallelujah. When they had been threatened, the Bible says they returned to their own company. They told them what had happened. They didn't try to, you know, whitewash the, the facts. They told them the truth. But they didn't sit around complaining, bemoaning their fate. Lord, we were just trying to serve you. What You know, no. They updated them and then they began to pray. And then they began to pray. And I believe it was prayer that resulted, that led, prayer was the vehicle that led to the results that we read about. I was intentional about having us read the entire chapter. I was intentional. The Bible says, blessed is he that reads out the words of this prophecy. And so the results that we, we see, that um, when the outcome of their prayer, I would just want to list them out very quickly. One, the Bible says the place where they were gathered was shaken, physically shaken, like an earthquake. The walls were shaking, trembling, maybe lightning, thunder, I don't know. But it was physically shaken. It was like there was a physical manifestation that the Lord was trying to demonstrate to say, folks, I am in this with you. He demonstrated that I am in this with you. The place was physically shaken. The second thing, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with boldness. They had already been speaking boldly before the people, but I believe this was an, an additional like boost of boldness. There was like an almost immediate manifestation of what they had just asked God to do. The third thing was that there was unity. The Bible says that the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. There was a unifying of the body as a result of their prayer. The fourth thing that happened, communal living. Everybody's need was met, physical needing. We're praying today about food insecurity. Needs were met, not just of the body of Christ, but also these people were known for giving alms, meeting the needs of others. In fact, they said some of them sold their houses and brought the proceeds to meet the physical needs of everybody. The fifth thing that happened, they bore witness to Jesus' resurrection with great power. There were signs and wonders, miracles and healings that came about to confirm the word preached. And lastly, great grace. Great grace was upon them. I really do not feel we as a church understand the extent, the magnificent, the force of God's grace. We understand the grace that brings salvation, but I believe God's grace is so much bigger than we understand. Later on in Acts, it talks about Barnabas seeing the grace of God that was upon them. There was a force of grace that was manifested, manifested so that it was visible. Grace to transform hearts, grace to bring deliverance. When Paul was being um, um, oppressed, you know, and he prayed to the Lord, remove this thorn from me, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. There is a grace that enables us to go through things that we normally would not be able to go through. Great grace was upon them. And I believe firmly that these outcomes, these results that we see listed in the book of Acts is um, what revival looks like. This is what we're praying for. When we gather together to pray, this is what I desire to see in Pentecostal Tabernacle, signs and wonders, unity, everyone's needs is met. We, they, the word is preached with power, signs and wonders, grace that is manifested in their midst. But the vehicle through which it happened was through corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. So I'm going to sit there here in this space for a while. 
some things that stood out to me from the disciples. I'm a pacer. I don't stand in one spot. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I hope I don't give you like neck, <laughs> neck pain looking at me. Um, one of the things I noticed about the disciples' response after they had been threatened was that they, um, they didn't go home to their individual prayer closets to pray. We do know that prayer changes things. We know. The Bible says in James 5, 16, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person, a righteous man, avails much. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its work, in the Amplified Translation says. So we know if they had gone to their individual prayer closets to pray, something would have happened. Absolutely, something would have happened. But they didn't do that. They didn't go to their individual, you know, silos to pray. They came to their own company. People of like precious faith. They had seen how the church had been birthed through prayer. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascended, they gathered together. The Bible says that they were in the upper room. They continued daily in prayer. The church had been birthed in prayer. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, they were on one accord. After the Holy Ghost had come down, it says they continued in prayer. So praying together was cumulative they began maybe a little, you know, unsteady on the feet, but as they continued, they stayed with it. They stayed with it. It began to grow and to grow. And so they recognized united prayer or corporate prayer as the solution to the persecution and to the threats that they had been given. And so I ask us a question this morning. Do you have a company? Do you have a company? Who is your company? Bishop has been talking about needing three people in your life, prophet, praiser, and prayer. When you are in trouble, who do you go to? Do you go to somebody that you, you know, that is going to, believe me, you're here when you tell the person the story. By the time the person tells, you know, you're even worse. <laughs> you wish you never said anything. <laughs> because the person just, you know, makes you feel like you just want to, Sometimes I, I listen to people's story, my heart, I don't even know where to begin. I'm just so discouraged. Or do you have people that, yes, they don't deny the facts, but they say, let's pray about it. A group of people of like precious faith who you can go to. And if you don't, the church has opportunities available. Midnight prayer, morning prayer, social justice prayer, upper room. There are multiple opportunities where if you don't have a company of people to stand in faith with you, there's, you have access. You have access to this group of people of like precious faith. The last thing I noticed was that they lifted up their voices in one accord. One accord. That, for me, brothers and sisters, is corporate prayer. Or as I actually prefer to call it, united prayer. United prayer. So what is corporate prayer? In, my, in the simplest de definition, I would say, Corporate prayer is praying in agreement with two or more people. Two or more people. Matthew 18 says, again I say to you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. Jesus is the head. Literally, he's the head of the body. And so if you have two members, more than one member of the body, and the head is there, you have an expression of the body right there. 
And in that, there is power. In that, there is power. So corporate prayer is praying in agreement with two or more people. There are various examples of corporate prayer in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we know of many, many times kings maybe um, coming up against, um, people are coming against them in war, like Jehoshaphat, right? In Second Chronicles um, chapter 20, I think it was, there were three different armies coming up against him and Jehovah, um, Jehoshaphat called for a fast, he called for the people. And the Bible says that the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Everybody gathered together. Everybody gathered together to pray. That's corporate prayer. So there are multiple examples in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's multiple examples as well. I read one in Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 1 at the beginning of the birth of the church, there was corporate prayer. Paul and Silas, those were two people praying together when they were um, arrested and thrown in jail. Those are two people. Or when Peter was arrested, right? And the Bible said, constant prayer was being made by the saints. That's an example of corporate prayer. So there's multiple examples of corporate prayer in the Bible. But why should we pray corporately? Why pray corporately? And before I answer that, I'll first ask, why do we pray? Why do we pray? I have been a person of prayer for very many years, and I actually have to sometimes remind myself because I sometimes forget. Sometimes I forget. Why do we pray? As my wonderful sister Ruth says, if anybody has been on morning prayer, you would have heard sister Ruth say, we pray because we serve a God that answers. We serve a God that answers. If we served a rock, which many people do, right? Then there's no point. But because we serve a God that not only does he answer, he is able, he is willing. The Bible says his ears are inclined, inclined. He's listening, he's waiting for us to ask him. We serve a God that answers. There's um, a quote by John Wesley that goes, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. God does nothing but in answer to prayers. For some reason, folks, for some reason, God has limited himself to act on earth through the vehicle of men praying on earth. Not praying in heaven, but praying on earth. There's something about him restraining himself. He won't step in to our domain without somebody asking him to come in. That's just the way, I don't know why, but that's just the way he, he operates in his body. He has restrained himself to act through the vehicle of prayer. We pray because prayer changes things. Jesus Christ admonished us to pray without ceasing. He said men ought always to pray and not to give up. When we pray, our prayers are actually registered in heaven. In Revelations, it talks about our prayers being incense within a bowl. And the incense goes before. It says the prayers of the saints ascend to the throne of God. Our prayers actually register in heaven. So after talking about why do we pray, I'll answer then, why pray corporately? Why is corporate prayer important? What is so unique about corporate prayer? And I'll say three things. One, we are God's house of prayer. 
because we are God's house of prayer. In Matthew 21, the Bible says, and Jesus said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. He had come and seen people buying and selling, trading, trading in his house, in his temple. And he got, in fact, I've read somewhere that there are very few times when Jesus got angry. I think one time he got angry was because of something the Pharisees had done. Another time that Jesus got angry when he saw his house being abused. When he saw his house being used for something other for which it was intended. The primary core service or work that should happen in God's house. This house. This house. This house and this house is prayer. That is the, not, other things can happen, absolutely. There's reading, which are incredibly important, but the primary function is prayer. And so we pray corporately because we are God's house of prayer. The second reason why we pray corporately is because every member of the body of Christ has a unique part to play. Every member, every person whether you got saved yesterday, whether you are two years old or, you know, 20, 90, every person is a member and each has a unique part to play. Ephesians 4, verse 15 to 16 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so the, 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 the Bible is talking about every, um, the whole body is joined and knit is joined and interwoven, is integrated, is joined by what every person supplies. Each of us has a part to play. Each of us has a role. Regardless of how weak we may feel or, you know, everybody has a part. And when each person does their part, then there is a joining, then there is a knitting, then there is an edifying, then there is a growing of the body in love by each person doing their part. When we pray together corporately, it's like Bishop talked about a puzzle. There are many pieces of the puzzle and each of us brings our own piece because we each pray from different perspectives. The way I pray may be absolutely different from how Sister Deidre prays or Zena prays. We all come from our own bent, our own experience when we pray, right? And I'll share a quick story about my family. So my family, we have family prayer time, my husband, my daughter and I. And so we started doing this thing, I think it was during the pandemic, where we would give assignments. So today is mommy's turn. Mommy, you give the prayer assignments. I said, okay, daddy, you pray for grandma. Shell, you pray for mommy's work. Uh, mommy, you're going to pray. So each person gives the assignment. But when Shell gives her assignment, <laughs> when Shell gives her assignment, my word, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> she would say, okay, so mommy, you're going to pray for that person that was selling ice cream in the ice cream store. Pray that they will come to know Jesus Christ. I'm thinking, 
I would never have thought of that. But that is her bent. That is her unique role. The children, children do not feel as though you do not have a part to play. Children, you are incredibly important. We all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. But when this person comes, and this person comes, and this person comes, then we become a whole. Then we become a whole. I love this image. As I was preparing this message, I was looking for an image on the internet to describe what I was trying to depict. And I couldn't find it. So I asked my niece to draw something for us. And what that image depicts is really of multiple people bringing their brick. And here's the backdrop of the story. So in morning prayer last year, we were going through the book of Jeremiah. This is in the heat of the pandemic. And we we're going through the book of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah, if you know, it talks about the story of Babylon, where um, the Jews were returning from Babylon to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall that had been broken, right? And so the wall was just in such a state of disrepair. But everybody put their hands to the plow and took responsibility for a part of the wall. In fact, some people took responsibility for a part of the wall that was just in front of their house. Everybody took, played a part, right? And so Lady Carmen would often say to us, bring your brick. Everybody has a brick. Your brick may be small, your other brick may be big, but everybody has a brick. And so that image shows, as you can see, there are kids there, there's old, there's young, different male and female, but everybody has a brick. When we come together to pray corporately, we are each of us bringing our brick. And if one of us is missing, if I'm supposed to be building this section of the wall, this section of the house, we're all building, right? And I'm missing in action. There's going to be a gap. There's going to be a deficit. Or somebody else has to work twice as hard because you're missing. We, each of us, are really, really important. Another reason why corporate prayer is important is that there is power in numbers. There is power in numbers. Leviticus 26 verse 8 says, Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. Already, if you think about it, that doesn't make sense. For five to chase a hundred, that already shows the power of God in play, right? And so think about it mathematically, using math logic. If five chase a hundred, you would expect a hundred to chase two thousand. But that's not what it says. It says a hundred will chase ten thousand. Because there is a multiplying effect when the children of God come together. With one, with God, is already plenty. But more, <laughs> There's nothing that God cannot do. So there is power in numbers. But I want to say, the caveat there is, is not really so much about the numbers. It's about the agreement. It's about the unity. That's why I, the title is, there is power in united prayer. It's the unity. It's the unity. Acts, um, um, Acts 4 verse 24 says, when they heard it, when the, they had come and to their own company and told them what had happened, it says, they raised their voices together in one accord to God. Some translations say, they raised their voices with oneness of mind. Another translation says, with singleness of heart. 
Folks, there is something about many becoming one. There's something about it. The Bible says in Genesis, the two shall become one flesh. Jesus Christ prayed, make them one, even as we are one. And so he doesn't want us to come, just one person to come. He wants many, but he wants many to become one. That is where the power is. It is a mystery. We may not understand it. It is so. We just have to take it. There is something about many becoming one. It is the unity in prayer, the agreement. Um, in Second Chronicles chapter 5, when they were dedicating the temple of Solomon, I'm going to read verse 12 to 14. And it says, And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding the trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. There is something about many becoming one and lifting up our voices to God that gets heaven's attention. It kind of creates a vacuum that God cannot help but step in to fill. The Bible says when the priests, the musicians, the trumpets, everything became as one, the glory came. The glory came. Folks, the glory came. The glory came. We are waiting for the glory. But the glory is actually waiting for us. That is why we cannot afford schisms and division and strife. We can't afford it, folks. When he talks, I think in Ephesians, he talks about husband and wife. He says, Men, avoid these things, lest it hinder your prayers. Our prayers are hindered when we have ought in hearts. The Bible says when you're coming to give an if, a gift and you have something against your brother, leave the gift, leave it. It'll, it'll still be there. Leave it. Go and make amends with your brother. We can't afford schisms, folks. That is what inter interferes. Remember the Tower of Babel? When they were one and when they were divided. The Bible says a house divided against itself will not stand. The power in corporate prayer is in the unity. Um, in sports, there's a phenomenon known as drafting known as drafting. And I know some of the avid cyclists like Jeff can speak to that. But I've heard an analogy given before about 
drafting in cycling and corporate prayer. And so in cycling, there is this phenomenon known as drafting, where the cyclists ride in a group, sometimes ride in a line, and the person in front blocks the wind, reduces the wind resistance, reduces the aerodynamic drag, so that those in the back gain an advantage. There's less wind that they are cycling against, and so they're able to conserve more energy, ride faster, and ride longer. The interesting thing about drafting is that, so the people that predominantly benefit are those in the back. But interesting enough, the people in the front also benefit as well. Maybe not to the extent as those in the back, but the whole group benefits. There is a group effect from sticking together, from coming together against our foe, the enemy. That is what corporate prayer looks like. In fact, I heard my friend saying the other day, corporate prayer or united prayer is like praying on steroids. (laughs) Praying in itself is good. But corporate prayer, (laughs) folks, it amps things up a notch. And so how should we pray? How should we pray? And when I'm done with the message, we're going to have an opportunity to activate what I'm speaking about this morning. So how should we pray? And I believe Acts chapter 4 gives a very good model for how we should pray. And in true PT form, I have an acronym for you. The four Ps. The four Ps of corporate prayer. One, praise and thanksgiving. Two, promises. Three, petition. And four, power and grace. Hang in with me, folks. You're almost done. Praise and thanksgiving. In Acts 4 verse 24, it says, When they had heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Sovereign Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. That, those words seem so simple but they are potent. They are packed with power. Sovereign Lord. What that means is the God who has absolute ownership and authority overall. It means the creator and absolute master over the universe. Sovereign Lord. You are God. They're not telling God something that he doesn't know, but they're reminding themselves. You are God. You're the one that made heaven and earth and the sea and everything that is in them. Meaning, you made us, you made our accusers, you even made the devil. (laughs) You are the one that has the final say. They began to praise and to worship Jehovah, magnifying his name. Folks, when we come together to pray, we have to begin from a place of praise. Praise. There is no God like Jehovah. Let us remind, when we say these words, we affirm our trust in him. We, 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 we make our problems shrink to the right size that they are. And we, God is magnified in our eyes. It is actually a demonstration of our faith in God when we begin by praising. Recently, my husband and I were going through something. I think we were both working from home one day. 
and we were just in a rut in the middle of the day. And David said, let's pray together. And so we were praying, but it was just drudgery, drudgery, drudgery. We were just struggling. And then the Lord said something to me, worship, praise, just praise me. And so we started praising. We started declaring God, to God who he was. We started magnifying, worshiping. And then the Spirit of the Lord said something to me. He said, there is a dearth in your praise bucket. Your praise bucket is half empty. Meaning that for the most part, I have been spending my time, you know, complaining, <laughs> which we all do as human beings. And it was like seeping, leaking, leaking. And he said, refill that praise bucket. And so since then, you know, praising, worshiping, praying praise and worship music. If you don't know how to do it, open the Psalms. They are chock full of words of praise. Sometimes when I come to praise the Lord, to, to pray, I, I spend all the time praising. There's no time to even ask him for anything. Because by the time I finish praising him, he go and fight for me. That's the way, that's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. So our emphasis and our energy should be in praising and declaring who our God is praising. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The next P is promises. So verses 25 to 28 read, this is still them praying. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. What these people were doing were quoting Psalms chapter 2. And it's, if you have time, read it and compare their prayer to the entire Psalms chapter 2 verse 1 to 8. So what they were saying was, God, this is not about us. This is about Jesus. This is about what you prophesied, what you spoke about many years ago through your servant David. And if you read the entire Psalms chapter 2, the Bible says there, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. And then he goes on to talk about what he will do to those that attack, that prosecute his son Jesus Christ. And so they are putting God in remembrance of his promises, of his word. It wasn't about them, how they feel, whether they were tired, whether their leg was broken. It was about, Lord, you said this in your word, and we are reminding you of your word. Declare his word to him. Isaiah, I think chapter 43 says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. And so the second P is, declare his word. Declare his word. Instead of spending our time complaining, bemoaning our fate, look for what the Bible says about your situation. Is it healing? Is it deliverance? Is it salvation for our loved ones? What does the Bible say? And it is on the basis of the word that we come before the Lord in prayer. So that's the second P, promises. And then that's where petition comes. After you've done all that, then you can ask. But by the time you get to P, you are so built up, you don't even have time to spend time, you know, asking anything. And so they said, Lord, look at their threats, but grant your servants that with all boldness, 
they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy son, Jesus. And ultimately, we have power and grace. When we pray by faith, there should be an expectation in our hearts for power and grace to be made manifest. I spoke earlier about great grace. Great grace. Great grace. When we pray, we are asking for God's grace to be manifested in our situation. And so my charge to all of us this morning, lean into prayer. Lean into prayer. PT has a history and a foundation of prayer. We've been praying for decades. Morning prayer has been going on for decades. It is part of the very fabric of our church. But I believe we have just touched the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg. There's more. There's more. When we pray more individually, so when I say lean into prayer, I'm talking about, first of all, individually. Let's spend more time at the master's feet, beholding his face, getting to know him, seeking him for ourselves. Let's challenge ourselves. If we currently spend five minutes, make a decision today, I'll spend 10. If I currently spend an hour, Lord, help me, give me grace to spend two. Wherever we are, let us challenge ourselves to lean into prayer individually. And let us lean into prayer corporately. Because I believe when we pray in our prayer closets and we all come together corporately, we are starting from a different level. Let's lean into corporate prayer. Like I said, there's multiple opportunities for us to come together, whether it's morning prayer, midnight prayer, there's multiple opportunities for us to pray together corporately. I also believe that prayer should actually be a part of our services on Sunday. It is the one time you have the most number of people gathered together. We should incorporate, we should, we're going to spend time praying today. We should spend time praying corporately, united prayer. And as we do this, cumulatively, cumulatively, we grow, we are knitting, there's a joining, there's an edifying, there's a growing, there's an enlarging. That vacuum that we talked about is enlarged so that more of his glory is invited in. I want to make it clear that this is not about getting more people to sign up for morning prayer, because it's not. I'm not trying to get 100 people, 500 people to sign up. This is not what this is. It's not about checklists. It's not about numbers. It's about our hearts being on fire for Jesus. Our hearts yearning and hungering for him. And so every opportunity you find, when Bishop says, first Friday, we, we, are, we are all here. We are all here. It's about all of us leaning in. All of us leaning in as a church, leaning in together. And I want to um, encourage us to be careful, to be careful. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, that you should be careful lest you say, it is my power and my strength that has got me this well. When God begins to answer, when we come together, let us be careful not to say, oh, it's because we prayed. Because it is the grace of God that enables us to pray. I recently learned this the hard way in my life. I, I for some reason, was... Um, Glorying in the fact that, you know, I do morning prayer, I do this prayer, I do, you know, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know. And the Lord one day just lifted his hand, 
lifted his grace over my life. And even to pray <laughs> by myself in my closet, I couldn't do. I couldn't do. Because I was touching God's glory. The Bible says, not unto us, O God, not unto us, but you deserve the glory. It is the grace of God that enables us to pray. And we will see life with the grace and without the grace. And so when God begins to move in our midst, be careful not to touch his glory. It's not because of anything we have done. The glory should go to God. The glory should go to God. Amen. So prayer is not an end in itself. The end we are looking for. Lord, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your will be done on earth. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. A couple things in closing. And Sister Deborah, if you're here, please I'll have you come up so you can lead us in a time of prayer. The Lord quickened something to me about when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And when he was praying, the Bible said he went with his disciples into the garden. And then he went further with three of them, Peter, James, and John. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. And then he began to travail in prayer. I think one translation said he sweats like drops of blood. He was so burdened. He was so burdened. And he said, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. He got up and went back to where he had left Peter, James, and John. And he says, please, tarry with me for one hour. What the Lord laid on my heart is what he was looking for was united prayer, was corporate prayer. He didn't want to bear that burden alone. He wanted men to be there in that ditch with him, praying alongside him. He went back and prayed, and he came back and he saw them sleeping. He said, can you not tarry with me for one hour? And he said to Peter, Peter in particular, he said, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. And then he went back. When he came back, he found them sleeping. What the Lord told me, when Jesus was praying and he was looking for these men, just three of them, to stay with him, to share his burden in prayer. Their praying would not have changed his need to go to the cross, but they would have borne his burden with him. That is what, one of the things that we accomplish. We bear one another's burden. We, you may be doing okay today and I not, but when we all come to the place of prayer, we are bearing one another's burden. The second thing the Lord laid on my heart was Peter. He said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. He didn't say that to John. He didn't say that to James. He said it to Peter. Who knows if Peter had got up to pray? Could it have resulted in him not denying the Lord? I don't know. But he said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Peter didn't. And we know what happened. Sometimes when we gather together to pray corporately, there are troubles that we may be encountering that may come our way later down the line that you may not be aware of that can be averted through the prayers of many because we all take our part. We all bring our bricks in this place 
of United Prayer. The last thing I would say is Lady Carmen, a few weeks ago, while we were praying, she saw a vision um, of a plane circling, waiting to land. The plane, if you can imagine at Boston Logan, waiting for the signal to come from the watchtower. It was a cargo plane carrying God's goodness, the answers, signs and wonders, miracle. Everything we are asking the Lord for was on this plane. But the plane was circling, waiting for the signal, waiting for the runway to be lit up. And Lady Carmen charged us. She said, prayer is what sends the signal. Prayer, united prayer, is what lights up the runway, removes the obstacles, gets the runway ready for the plane to land. My brothers and my sisters, I pray for grace that we may prepare the runway. Prepare the runway that the King of glory might come in. We ask, Father, for grace to pray, to pray, to pray as a corporate body and not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Sister Deborah, we're going to come into a time of, I know you guys have been sitting for a while. Sorry if it took longer. But can you just leave the whole thing? Do you mind? Thank you. Okay. Before Sister Deborah shares, I just want to share a quick story. So I want us to pray two particular petitions this morning. One, we're going to start from the place of praise, declaring God's word. And then two specific petitions I would like us to pray as a body, as a corporate body. The first, Lord, make us, make PT a house of prayer. Pour out your spirit of grace and supplication upon us so that we might look, all our eyes may be turned towards you. That's the first prayer. The second prayer I want us to pray is about this mental health crisis that we have, many of us have read about. The Globe talked about it. Many of us have experienced it. That there is like this darkness set against people. I think exacerbated during the pandemic, but even before then. Many people are struggling with feelings of hopelessness, anxiety, dismay, depression. I want us to pray about it as a corporate body. It is bad enough that the world is struggling. But when we, the body of Christ, it are also crippled by this same attack, it is time for us to come together and pray corporately about this. And I'll quickly share a story of something that happened in my life. In May, in fact, I was reading my journal entry um, last year. May 29, I wrote in my journal, I had been going, this was in the thick of the pandemic, also the thick of all this racial injustice and everything going on. I had this sense of a cloud, just darkness, just plaguing me. I could not function. There's this sense of hopelessness, a lack of purpose, I, I was going through the motions, but believe me, I was in utter despair. I would go to work, I would, you know, attend church online, my husband, my you know, but I was in utter despair and I couldn't understand, and I couldn't pray. I couldn't pray. I remember one night I woke up to pray and I said, Lord, you have to help me. I can't even pray. I can't even pray, Lord, what do I do? And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, plead the blood. 
plead the blood. And so I got anointing oil, anointed myself, and I began to plead the blood. I, I, I spoke about the blood, what the blood did in the, in the day of the Israelites. I pled the blood of Jesus Christ. And believe me, I felt like something broke. Something just broke off of me. It was like night and day. There was like a lifting of that dark cloud around me. I was like, wow, praise the Lord. And so I kept going, you know, doing well. But it's almost like what the Bible says about when Jesus Christ was tempted in the wilderness, right? He said the devil left him for a season. <laughs> when the devil came back, he came back <laughs> prepared. Believe me, it was much worse when it came back. And I was I mean, I remember writing in my, what I wrote in my journal was the chaos that is going on, the turmoil, the angst, the, 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 the disruption in spirit, in soul. I'm seeing on the outside, on the news, I feel that my house is a microcosm of that. There was lots of fighting and bickering and chaos and just, it was just, it was, was miserable. Me, miserable, I was just short, temp, ill-tempered, just horrible. And also despair. And really the, the thoughts came to me. The only way I can get rid of this feeling is to take my life. I, I just needed it to stop. I needed it to stop. And so I, um, I'm a part of the Pino's um, small prayer, uh, small group. And this day, like I said, I wrote it in my journal. May, I think May 30th of May 20th. We meet on Fridays. And at the end, we were talking about grace. The grace of God. The grace of God. And I said, brothers and sisters, please pray for me. I need help. I wasn't going to hide it. I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. I don't care if I'm the one that looks like the most powerful prayer, in the prayer person. I need help. Please pray for me. And the brothers and sisters gathered to get around me, as it were, on Zoom and prayed for me. I remember Sister Ginny praying some words concerning me. She spoke against the darkness. She commanded it to be gone. She bound the spirit, whatever. She broke that power over me. And on June 2nd, I, there's another journal entry. I said, God, this thing is real. It, and not only did he deliver me, it was a sustained deliverance. And so what I was unable to do on my own, the prayers of many brought sustained deliverance. Amen. So I want us to pray together this morning regarding our brothers and sisters. You personally, maybe somebody you know or just anybody in the church. Let's stand together as a body and break that spirit of darkness that is like a stranglehold that tells people that you have no purpose, you're hopeless, you're of no use. Let's pray against that spirit that's plaguing our brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon, PT. Can you hear me? Good afternoon, PT. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Sister Ian. That awesome, awesome message. We're going to... Amen. Okay. Thank you. Um, we're going to put into practice what we just heard. Uh, we have about 10 minutes to, to do this. So I'm going to ask everyone to please rise. Amen. 
That was such a powerful word. God is here this morning. Amen. Amen. Interestingly, we already had an example of what corporate prayer can do. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, on midnight prayer and upper room. And the Lord had revealed to one of us that the devil was planning death in PT. And elders were alerted to pray. We prayed so much about that. It, was, it took a whole session of the upper room prayer, if you remember, Elder Karim. And we prayed and prayed and came, prayed against um, the spirit of death and asked God to stay the hand of the spirit of death. Fast forward just a couple of days ago. The devil tried to take Mama Val's life. When I got the text, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of that prayer, that morning we were praying, that God stayed the hand of death on her life because we prayed corporately. This is not, there's no glory to anyone. I love what Sister Yang said. All glory goes to God. But I wanted to point that out because I kept reflecting. And the message that came was that the devil wanted PT to cry. And I thought, what would make the entire PT cry? If God had, if God had, the devil had had his way on her life, this service would not be the same today. Everybody will be crying. I guarantee you because she has touched everyone's lives in different ways. I couldn't even imagine it. I just broke out crying and giving God praise. Called her the next morning. I'm like, I am so glad to hear your voice. God did an amazing thing for us. He did. So we're going to, I got directives from Sister Yang. We're going to go in the order that she taught us. For we're gonna give praise and thanksgiving to God. And we're going to remind him of his promises. The first prayer point is, we'll be praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray for God to make PT a house of prayer, that the spirit of grace and supplication will be poured upon us as a body. So let's take that first prayer point. We're going to give God praise in your own language where you are. Give him praise and thanksgiving. We're going to remind him of his promises to us through his word. And then we're going to bring that petition to him. Amen. Thank you, Spirit of a living God. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. We worship you. You are God all by yourself. Heaven and earth adore you. We exalt you. There is no one like you. You are God all by yourself. You are Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the first and the last. Father, we thank you today. We worship you. There is no one like you. There is no one like Jehovah. Who is like unto you, O God? Come on, PT. Who is like unto you, O God? Father, we lift you high this morning. 
We worship you, God. We exalt you, God. Oh, that we are alive is by your grace. You are God. You are God all by yourself. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word, your word will always remain. Father, we lift you high this morning. Give him praise, PT. Give him praise. We worship you, God. We thank you because you're a God that never lies. You're a God that speaks and it comes to pass. We give you praise this morning. We thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. Father, your word says in Zechariah 12 verse 10, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one that have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for her only child, and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Your word says you will pour out your spirit of grace and supplication. Father, we begin to say, remind you of your word. You said your house will be called a house of prayer. We ask that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That your kingdom come on earth today as it is in heaven. Father, we remind you of your word. You have exalted your word above your name. Come on, PT. Bring your brick this afternoon. This house shall be a house of prayer. Your house shall be a house of prayer. We pray that your kingdom come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God to make PT a house of prayer, that the spirit of grace and supplication be poured out upon us as a body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We come in the name of Jesus. We come in the name of Jesus. That this house, that this house, that this house shall be a house of prayer. That your will be done. That your will be done. That this will be a house of prayer. That will be a house of prayer because we are praying to a God that answers. We are not praying into storage. Maro say, come on, PT. Come on, PT. Let's bring our fire this afternoon. Let's bring our brick this afternoon. We come as a body. We come as a body this morning in the name of Jesus. I don't hear you, PT. I don't hear you, PT. The Bible says, you open up your mouth and he will fill it. Open up your mouth and he will fill it. 
we, we, we just learned that God restrains himself until we open up our mouths and invite him. So PT, come on, we have an obligation this morning. We can hear such a word and not lift up your voice. There is power, there's power in our united prayer. Father, we thank you because this is a house of prayer for all mankind. This is a house of prayer. Our bodies are a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. We release your angels this morning that your will be done in this house in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, we're going to pray. We're going to pray against the spirit of depression. We're going to stand in the gap this morning on behalf of our brothers and our sisters who are under spiritual attack and battling issues like crippling fear, anxiety, isolation, depression, couple of nights again, uh, nights ago, we were in midnight prayer, and the Lord just had us spend time praying against the spirit of depression. This spirit, something about it that you should have as an understanding is that this spirit is defiant. It's persistent. It's a speaking spirit. When it speaks, it speaks words that cripples. And the person that is being spoken to can't even move. It speaks words of condemnation. It speaks words of death. And you hear people saying, my depression. The blood of Jesus is against that. The blood of Jesus frees our minds and we have the mind of Christ. So we do not claim such a spirit. So to this afternoon, we're going to open up our mouths. You might be fine, but I see a lot of young people. I see a lot of older people battling with the Spirit. Now we're going to speak God's Word. We're going to thank God. We're going to remind Him of His Word. And we're going to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters. We're going to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters today. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 17 to 18, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It doesn't say you wouldn't have trouble. It says that he will be there to save you, save the crushed in spirit. But the spirit of depression, anxiety tells them you have no hope. The devil is a liar. Come on, PT, let's open up our mouths and stand in the gap against this spirit of depression, against the spirit of anxiety. Father, we thank you because you have given us a spirit that, that is above the spirit of depression. You have not given us a spirit of fear. You've given us a spirit of sound mind. So in the name of Jesus, we remind you of your word. 
that you are close to the brokenhearted, that you are close to those that are crushed in spirit. So there is hope. You're a God that hears when we call upon you. We stand in the gap this morning for our brothers and sisters battling depression, crippling fear, anxiety. Oh, that stuffs out your word from their spirit, that they're not able to go in faith. They're not able to leave life to the maximum. The life you said, Jesus, that you have come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Father, the Spirit tells them there is no use for you. The Spirit tells them there is no hope for you. But we know today that there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. So we take authority over the spirit. We take authority over depression. We take authority over anxiety. Give us strategy, oh God. Through your word to fight against this morning. Spirit of the living God, you said in your word, cast all your anxieties on me because you care for me. You said, come to me, all who labor and are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. You said, I have, I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Father, your word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your parts. Oh God, you are close to us. So we cast out such spirit. You lying spirit of depression. You lying spirit of anxiety. You lying spirit of fear. You lying spirit. The blood of Jesus is against you. The name of Jesus is against you. We cast you down in this house. In the name of Jesus. We do not consent to you being in us. You, we do not consent in the name of Jesus. Your word says when the enemy shall come like a flood, that you will raise a standard against him. Father, we raise a standard against his spirit. In the name of Jesus, we raise a standard against the spirit. In the name of Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. Come on, PT. Somebody's getting delivered right now. We have the mind of Christ. Father, we stand in authority of your word. We stand in the authority of your word. We stand by the blood of Jesus. We stand in the name of Jesus. And we begin to decree that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Every mar eyes that rises against us in judgment, Lord, we condemn. We begin to speak life into everyone that's struggling with the spirit. We begin to set ourselves free in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, you died. Your blood was shed for us to live a life of abundance, to live a life set free, to live a life of purpose. So the spirit that has sought we come against every spirit of depression. We set you free. You have the mind of Christ. Begin to open your mouth and speak God's word. Begin to open your mouth and declare his word about you. Because God cannot lie. Ephesians 6:11 says we have God's promise. 
we have God's oath, and those two things are unchangeable. Therefore, it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, your word cannot lie. We can take it to the bank any day concerning us. Father, we thank you. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For you are with us, your rod and your staff. They comfort us. So when the when the spirit tells you that you are alone, say you lie, spirit. You are a lying spirit because the Lord has said He will never leave me nor forsake me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with me. Father, help us, O oh God, to tap into this grace of corporate prayer. Help us, O oh God, to tap into this grace of united prayer. Help us, O oh God, to tap into this grace. If you can speak in the spirit, begin to war in the spirit. We're almost done. We got one more minute. Father, we thank you because the weapons of our warfare are not cannon. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, PT. Come on, PT. Oh, I thank you because you hear us, oh God. I thank you because you're here, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is freedom in your name. There is freedom in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, PT. Glory to God. The power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We reverence you, God. Glory to God. We reverence the prayers of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. And you want to remain in this space. 
not just for now, but as we go from here. That we will continue as we've been instructed to pray corporately. And even in the season, if you're here today and you've heard this word and it's impacted you and you may not have that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never had him invited into your heart. If you're listening online as well, at home. Or even if you may have had a relationship with him at one point and you've been estranged for a bit and you want to become part of that family that can have corporate prayer. So you do not have to carry your burdens alone. I'm not talking about joining PT. We're talking about joining the family of God. If that's you, if you just pop your hand, raise your hand, that I'd like to pray for you at this time. It's a wonderful thing, nothing to be ashamed of. No one's going to highlight you. But we want you to Enjoy the fullness of the family and the relationship of God so that you can develop your purpose and bring your brick to the corporate prayer. If that's you, if you just raise your hand, I'd love to pray for you. We'll pray together. Because the scripture said that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of us. So at this time, if you, even if you have not raised your hand, and even if you're online, we, I can't see you wherever you are. Let's, let's all say this prayer together. Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner because your word said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I also recognize that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he was resurrected and because he lives, I live. So I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart and make me a child of God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. If you pray that prayer sincerely, it's not that difficult. You are a child of God because the scriptures say if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and that's all it takes. Really a sincere prayer from the heart, a simple prayer that makes us a child of God. So if you prayed that prayer sincerely, you are a child of God uh, you may contact us through prayer at ptspice.org or even speak with one of the ushers after service um, just so that you can learn more about how you can become part, uh, how you can learn more about becoming a part of the body of Christ. Amen. We thank God for his word today and just want to bless Sister Ian Watson. If you just bless her, thank God for her today. Amen. 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 And also Sister Deborah for leading us in that powerful prayer. Let us continue in prayer. Amen. Bless God. God bless you today as we prepare to depart. We normally close with a 
blessing. And I am going to bless you from the scriptures. Today's blessing is taken from Ephesians chapter 3. I had it marked here, and of course it's disappeared. But I am going to just give me a moment, please. Uh, If you would hold your hands out as if to receive, this is the word of the Lord. And his word is true. It is the only word that has the power to become reality. So take this personally and chew on it. This is Paul's prayer and blessing to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, reading from the Amplified. And he says, For this reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. May God grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and may you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints God's people the width the length, the height, and depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. And that you may come to know, through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses knowledge, experience. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God, so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that you can think or ask, beyond your greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power, that is at, is at work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Be blessed today. God bless you. Amen. I would like to ask that uh, if you follow Following directions of ushers, we usually escort people out from the back and work Please with you. Please go to ptspice.org forward slash pray for me, where you can join our post-service prayer room or submit a written prayer request. The prayer room will be open for 30 minutes after the end of service. We want you to know that we are here for you.